0: Well, Psalm two we'll be looking at today. Um, some uh, one, at least one early manuscript attributes. Uh, well, in Acts, Psalm two is attributed to David. There is a manuscript that says that Psalm one. And so some people think Psalm one and Psalm two go together, and they do go together thema- thematically, and, and I'll demonstrate that in a moment. But uh, but they they are separate. Uh, separate psalms but they hit upon some of the same themes that we looked at last week but a little differently the uh, psalm one started out with what it means to be blessed and then psalm two here ends with what it means to be blessed so we want to pay a particular attention to the final verse of psalm two here today let's hear god's holy inspired inerrant, and infallible word why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain blessed are all who take refuge in him again may god bless his word to us this morning sometime in the early 2000s it became common practice in america to say have a blessed day when when i left uh, when we left for england everybody said have a nice day and then when we came back they started saying have a blessed day somebody told me that the, uh, just yesterday when I was walking through the hospital have a blessed day so it's become a, a common saying and, and I'm not being critical of that it's a pleasant sentiment when someone wishes uh, that that you be happy and flourish because that's what it means to be blessed to be happy and to flourish to to reach your potential to to be all that you can be now it's 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 really a nice sentiment because it's much more profound than saying, Have a nice day. Though I suspect that most people who say, Have a blessed day, don't really grasp the implications of what they're saying when they wish you a blessed day. And I say that because to wish someone a blessed day, according to Scripture, means many things because the Bible is full of statements about what it means to be blessed and who is blessed. For example, did the person who said to me, have a blessed day yesterday, were they wishing me to be poor in spirit, to mourn, to be meek and to hunger and thirst after righteousness, to be merciful, pure in heart, a peacemaker, were they wishing me to be persecuted? Because Jesus said that all those people are the ones who are blessed. Or to go back to the first psalm, Is my desire for the blessed day that I am wishing upon you include that you not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers? Am I wishing that your delight is in God's law and you meditate on it day and night? Yeah, I hope so. If only that were true of everyone who said, have a blessed day, that they wished us a true biblically-based blessed day. Well, I don't want the term to blessed to be cheapened or distorted in any way, so we're exploring a few places in Scripture that speaks of being blessed. How can we be blessed? And last week we looked at Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Today we're going to focus on the next psalm, Psalm 2, especially verse 12, where he says, Blessed are all who take refuge in him, meaning the son that he's just referred to. Kiss the son, lest he be angry, and you perish in the way, for his wrath is quickly kindled. But blessed are you if you take refuge in that king. Now, as I mentioned before, it's no accident that Psalm 1 and 2 are next to each other at the beginning of the Psalter. The Psalms were, of course, used in worship for the people of God, uh, and uh, an editor came through, and he put these hymns together. You'll notice in your Bibles that there's five books of Psalms. Psalm, this is the first book we're looking at. And uh, you can look at those different books, and you can see that there's some thematic uh, similarities between those Psalms that are included in each of those books. Some editors put them together, and Psalm 1 and 2 are together. They they have the same theme of two different ways to live. But their scope is different. Psalm 1 is personal. Blessed is the man. But Psalm 2 is cosmic. It refers to the nations and to the peoples of the earth. Psalm 1 is personal. Psalm 2 is public. If we used airport terminology, we might say that Psalm 1 is domestic and Psalm 2 is international. The psalm outlines in this way. I was going to give you a a little sheet as I sometimes do, but the printer's not working because the network's messed up from the lightning storm we had yesterday. Um, Nothing that can't be fixed. But the psalm outlines into four voices, four different voices that speak in this psalm. And each get three verses. Verses 1 through 3, we have the voice of the nations. Verses 4 through 6, the voice of the Lord. Uh, Verses 7 through 9 is the voice of his king. And then verses 10 through 12, the voice of the psalmist. So we want to look at each of these in turn to better understand what it means to be blessed by taking refuge in Jesus. Well, first we have these first three verses, the voice of the nations. We have uh, uh, some peoples delineated, referred to by the terms nations and peoples and the kings of the earth. Now, when the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, talks about the nations and peoples, they're talking about those people distinct from the people of God, from God's people, from God's nation, His holy nation. If you look at the King James Version, it, it says, well, why do the heathen rage, plot in vain? It does say exactly that because I know some of y'all are looking at it, but the heathens is the word that they use there. Why do the heathens rage? So it's, the, it's not the people of God, it's all the other people out there in the nations. The kings and the rulers of the earth as opposed to the king of heaven. So there's a distinction being made. So as in Psalm 1, you see two sides or two ways to live in reference to God before his face. And then you have the other side, which is against God. And here we have a worldwide rebellion against God. The focus here is those who are against God. They rage, and that word communicates a rebellion, a a commotion, a tumult with a conspiracy behind it. It's the mob that is rising up against the powers that be. And here the nations are in rebellion against God. The people's plot, that's the word that we have here. But that word, it really is an interesting uh, picture it gives us. The word in Hebrew for plot is the word for a lion's growl. It's not a lion's roar. It's a lion's growl. reminds me of uh, an episode of Gilligan's Island okay I, I, I when I was a kid I watched Gilligan's Island and uh, you know this is a, a ridiculous show uh, about these people trapped on an island and, and, and every so often something would wash up on shore and there would be a whole story uh, written about it well in one episode a lion washes up on shore and he's got a cage and he's full of uh, cans of food for the lion and Gilligan learns, he's kind of the muddle-headed idiot in, in the show, he, he kind of learns to be this lion's friend, and, he, and it's a lion from a circus that's being shipped, I guess, the, overseas. And the, the lion uh, is being tamed by Gilligan, and he's interacting with the lion, and, but he runs out of food. And the lion looks at Gilligan, and he sees a, can, a big can of food and you know you hear a low growl coming from the lion. Gilligan is in serious danger, and he gets that. Well, this word here for plot is that low, sinister growl. Well, you'll notice there it's a vein or an empty growl. It's, a, it's the growl of a lion who is caged up. And if we put it in human terms, what it means is to mutter. To, to, to speak in a low dissatisfied tones about what you're going to do to your enemy which is why it's translated plot here there's a nice picture that goes behind it I'm just going to, you know, I'm not going to stand for this this quiet plotting and, and hatred and desire to be out from under God's rule but it's all in vain, it's to no purpose It's going to be a frustrated, useless plot against Yahweh, which is the word that's used for Lord there, and against his anointed one. And the word for anointed one is the word Messiah, or to put it in Greek, Christ. And as the writers of the New Testament pick up, all this is is about Jesus. He's the king. He's the anointed one. The purpose of this rebellious plot is to burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us, he says in verse 3. In other words, these people are saying, we don't want to be limited by God anymore. We want to do what we want to do. We want to live independent of God. And of course, that's the sad story of humanity ever since the Garden of Eden, because that's the first sin. Desiring to live outside of God's rule, outside of what he's set up. To eat the forbidden fruit that God has forbidden us to eat. Every sin that we commit now is a rebellion against God. It's us saying, I'm going to do it my way and not your way, God. I'm going to burst the bonds apart. I'm not going to live fettered by what you say. I'm going to do what I want to do. So this picture we have here of the nations, you know, it's tempting for us to to look out and think of other people that this this refers to same is true of psalm 1 blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked well that's the wicked or other people not me the king james translated the godless I think wicked is a, an accurate translation but but to live outside of god's rule to live without reference to god is wicked That is what wickedness is. And that's what's going on here. We have a a big picture of of what Psalm 1 was giving us individually. This is the world's rebellion against God. Every sin we commit is a rebellion. Even as Christians, we can live in this manner. We can say yes to God on Sunday morning, but we can say I'm going to do what I want to on Friday night. So every sin is a rebellion against God. Then the voice of the Lord chimes in, verses 4 through 6. He says, he who sits in heaven laughs. Now he's laughing because of the futility of this plot. Man thinks that he's something and he has some power at his disposal when he has nothing. It's futile, it's pointless. It's laughable that they could actually be successful in living independent of God. And not only is it futile, so futile it's laughable, but the Lord, it says, holds them in derision because this rebellion is offensive to Him. He's the God who's given us life. He's our Creator. To rebel against Him is offensive to Him. Every time that we decide we want to live independent of God, it's offensive to Him. Oh, that we could grasp the offensiveness of our sin. And that's one of the problems that we have is that we are influenced by the world and their attitude about things and we become hardened to the offensiveness of our sin. And this psalm is calling us to recognize that, that our attempts to live independent of God are futile and God is offended by those things. Do we sense the offensiveness, the sinfulness of our sin? Well, look at God's response to this. You would think, you know, verse 5 says, He will speak to them in His wrath and terrify them in His fury, saying, you know, you're just expecting God to give them the old backhand across the head and just destroy these people who have offended Him and who have risen up against His rule and His might and His power. That's not what He does. As for me i have set my king on my holy hill how does god respond to rebellion the rebellion of our hearts he sends his king in he sends his king in not just a king the king the king of kings and the lord of lords this uh, psalm is quoted numerous times in the new testament in acts hebrews And there's many other passages where it is is maybe not quoted but referred to. uh, One of the most quoted psalms in all of Scripture. Because it does point so clearly to Jesus. The one who came to us in our rebellion. The one God sent to us because we have plotted in vain against the Lord. We have sought to throw off his rule. So the king is sent. And then the king tells us his decree that made him the king, that put him in place. Verse 7 through 9. He's gonna he's he's saying, "Here's, here's how it all happened. I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, You are my son, today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now in one sense, this, in, the, in the time it was written, it was referring to, of course, the Davidic king and God's covenant with David. But of course, we're talking about a worldwide rule here that David never encountered. David never enjoyed. He did a, uh, have a, a wide rule there in his time, but it wasn't worldwide, not like the Messiah. There's going to be a day when the Messiah returns and, and the, the entire earth is his. Everything. All of history is his, his story. Everything is leading up to that point when he returns and he sets up his kingdom and sin is no more. This whole rebellious spirit is going to be crushed. All who would oppose God and his anointed one will be frustrated, will, be, will perish, will be destroyed. That's what the word means there. You know, a lot of people like to talk about, in these days, being on the wrong side of history. You know, if you promote this agenda or you don't oppose this one over here, you're going to be on the wrong side of history. Or we can look back in history and say, those people were on the wrong side of history. And, you know, history is judging them because they made the wrong choice. Well, here is the ultimate being on the wrong side of history. This is the ultimate being on the wrong side of history if you oppose Jesus Christ. Because he is going to come and and every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And there's not going to be any other. It's what this is all about, this world in which we live. And if you find yourself on the wrong side of his history, then verse 9 will apply to you. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. An old rabbi had a saying, um, if, if a pot falls on the stone, woe to the pot. If the stone falls on the pot, woe to the pot. Either way, woe to the pot. The pot's not going to stand. You can drop it on a rock or you can drop the rock on the pot. The rock's going to win every time. And Christ is that rock. You can oppose him, but woe to you if you do. So the king is talking about the decree. He has been given that authority. He is the anointed one, which means he has been set apart for this task. He has been sent to us to rescue us from our rebellion. And we read about that in the the next section, the voice of the psalmist, verses 10 through 12, where the psalmist chimes in and and he's trying to reason with us. He's trying to to snap us out of our foolishness, out of our rebellion. And he's saying, Therefore, O kings, be wise, be warned, O rulers of the earth, and and everybody that's under them that would oppose God. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son lest he be angry and you perish in the way for his wrath is quickly kindled. But blessed are all who take refuge in him. Well, what does it mean to kiss the son? It means to pay homage to him. It means to be obedient to him. It means that you're, you're promising your, your fealty to him, your fidelity to him. You're coming to him and you're bowing the knee and you're submitting to him. And that's what the psalmist is telling us is the wise way to live under his rule serving him with an awe and respect serve the lord with fear and rejoice with trembling that that doesn't mean you're frightened to death like you're going to be destroyed any minute but an awe and a respect knowing that he is the king of kings and lord of lords and he has given you the privilege of of not being destroyed of of being not only his friend but his child to be welcomed into his kingdom Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Some versions say blessed are all who trust in him. And that's And The word is refuge, uh, but you wouldn't find refuge in something you didn't trust, now, would you? That, they go hand in hand. Uh, a, a refuge is a place where one will find safety, rest, and comfort, implying that the place of refuge is a place to be trusted to keep one safe. So suppose uh, we hear about a hurricane coming. This is a direct hit on Biloxi. It's going to hit right out there. It's coming in from the Gulf. And you think, you know what? I'm going to set up a tent out there on the beach because that would be a nice place. That would be a good refuge for me to be safe from the storm. Well, that's just foolishness, right? That's silly. No one would ever even think that because you know it's not. That's That's the worst place to be. You need to be a long ways off in a nice, solid, sturdy building. That's what what a refuge is. A place that you can trust and know that that you are secure and safe. Blessed are all who take refuge in Christ. Who who, who are hidden in Him. Who find in Him their, their safety, their rest, and their comfort. Who don't... Seek to throw off the bonds or the cords of Christ, but who submit to Him and come to him and find safety in him. So kiss the Son. If you don't, then you're going to be on the wrong side of history, like so many people say today. Well, Psalm 2 is, is merely uh, the Old Testament version of John 3:16 and following. that's exactly what we see here in this. Mankind is in rebellion against God. God didn't send His Son to crush us and to destroy us, but He sent His Son to save us. And, and if you reject that wonderful refuge that is Christ, then woe to you. You're condemned already. You're like one of the people on death row. You know, they're they're... Dead men walking. They're already condemned. the 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 execution just hasn't happened yet. Blessed are you if you find your refuge in Christ. And not only blessed but wise as well as the psalmist tells us. So today, I want us to think about this as how, how do we apply this? Well, first of all, if you if you aren't trusting in Christ, put your trust in Him. Turn from your sin and your rebellion, and and come to Him for a refuge. He will save any who, who comes to Him. For those of us who are Christians who struggle, as we all we are all strugglers. Everyone who is a Christian, we struggle to put ourselves under His rule and authority. We have this tendency to go back and say, I'm going to do this over here like I want to. I'm not going to do it according to God's ways. We have our all have our pet sins, the sins that easily entangle us and trip us up. Well, think about those things, and think about what Psalmist is saying here. You know, blessed if we were blessed, if we take refuge in Him and listen to Him and serve the Lord with gladness, not to have the attitude of the nations. This says. Let's just do what we want to do. The psalm speaks to us all and encourages us to write belief, to find our refuge in Christ, and to know what it means to truly be blessed. So with that in mind, I wish you all a blessed day. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we uh, thank you for the clear instructions of your word, and we pray that we would indeed be blessed by taking refuge in Christ today. Lord, we pray uh, as we gather uh, after the service to fellowship with one another that we would encourage one another and love one another. And uh, and Lord, we thank you for the food that we'll be eating and we pray your blessing. Well, it is a blessing to us. We thank you for the blessing of that food that you have showered upon us through the gifts of so many who have brought their uh, brought their food to share. And Lord, we pray for this church again. We pray for it uh, that you would be that we would be a church that points people to Christ and takes refuge in Christ and i pray for every individual here today lord that they would find their refuge in you and that you would help us to be less rebellious than we have a tendency to be and we pray this in jesus name amen